0: chapter nineteen of the money moon this librivox recording is in the public domain the money moon a romance by Geoffrey Farnell. chapter nineteen in which porges big and porges small discuss the subject of matrimony what is it my porges well i'm a bit worried you know worried yes afraid i shall be an old man before my time uncle porges Adam says it's worry that ages a man, and it killed a cat too. And why do you worry? Oh, it's my auntie Anthea. Of course, she was crying again last night. Crying? Bellew had been lying flat upon his back in the fragrant shadow of the hayrick, but now he sat up very suddenly, so suddenly that Small Porges started. Crying, he repeated. Last night. Are you sure? "'Oh, yes. You see, she forgot to come and talk me up last night, "'so I crept downstairs, very quietly, you know, to see why, "'and I found her bending over the table, all sobbing and crying. "'At first she tried to pretend that she wasn't, "'but I saw the tears quite plain. "'Her cheeks were all wet, you know, "'and when I put my arms round her to comfort her a bit "'and asked her what was the matter, "'she only kissed me a lot and said, "'Nothing, nothing, only a headache.' "'And why was she crying, do you suppose, my Porges?' "'Oh, money, of course,' he sighed. "'What makes you think it was money?' "'Cause she'd been talking to Adam. "'I heard him say good-night, as I creeped down the stairs.' "'Ah!' said Bellew, staring straight before him. "'His beloved pipe had slipped from his fingers, "'and, for a wonder, lay all neglected. "'It was after she had talked with Adam, was it, my Porges?' "'Yes.' "'That's why I knew it was about money. "'Adam's always talking about mortgages and bills and money. "'Oh, Uncle Porges, how I do hate money!' "'It is sometimes a confounded nuisance,' nodded Bellew, "'But I do wish we had some, "'so we could pay all her bills and mortgages for her. "'She'd be so happy, you know, "'and go about singing like she used to. "'And I shouldn't worry myself into an old man before my time, "'all wrinkled and gray, you know.' "'and all would be revelry and joy "'if only she had enough golden bank-notes.' "'And she was crying, you say?' "'demanded Bellow again, his gaze still far away. "'Yes.' "'You are quite sure you saw the tears, my Porges?' "'Oh, yes, and there was one on her nose, too, "'a big one that shone awful bright, twinkled, you know.' "'And she said it was only a headache, did she?' "'Yes, but that meant money.' "'Money always makes her headache lately. "'Oh, Uncle Porges, I suppose people do find fortunes sometimes, don't they?' "'Why, yes, to be sure, they do.' (sighs) "'Then I wish I knew where they looked for them,' said he, with a very big sigh, indeed. "'I've hunted and hunted in all the attics and the cupboards and under hedges and in ditches "'and prayed and prayed, you know, every night.' "'Then, of course, you'll be answered, my Porges.' Do you really suppose i shall be answered you see it's such an awful long way for one small prayer to have to go from here to heaven and there's clouds that get in the way and i'm afraid my prayers aren't quite big or heavy enough and get lost and blown away in the wind no my porges said bellew drawing his arm about the small disconsolate figure you may depend upon it that your prayers fly straight up into heaven and that neither the clouds nor the wind can come between or blow them away. So just keep on praying, old chap, and when the time is ripe, they'll be answered, never fear. Answered? Do you mean—oh, Uncle Porges, do you mean the money-moon? The small hand upon Bellew's arm quivered, and his voice trembled with eagerness. Why, yes, to be sure. The money-moon, my Porges, it's bound to come, one of these fine nights. Ah!— but when, oh, when will the money-moon ever come? Well, I can't be quite sure, but I rather fancy, from the look of things, my Porges, that it will be pretty soon. Oh, I do hope so, for her sake and my sake. You see, she may go getting herself married to Mr. Cassilis if something doesn't happen soon, and I shouldn't like that, you know. Neither should I, my Porges, but what makes you think so? Why— He's always bothering her, and asking her to, you see. She always says no, of course, but one of these fine days, I'm afraid she'll say yes, accidentally, you know. Heaven forbid, nephew. Does that mean you hope not? Indeed, yes. Then I say heaven forbid, too, because I don't think she'd ever be happy in Mr. Cassilis's great big house, and I shouldn't either. Why, of course not. "'You never go about asking people to marry you, do you, Uncle Porges?' "'Well, it could hardly be called a confirmed habit of mine. "'That's one of the things I like about you so. "'All the time you've been here you haven't asked my Auntie Anthea once, have you?' "'No, my Porges, not yet.' "'Oh, but you don't mean that you ever will? "'Would you be very grieved and angry if I did, some day soon, my Porges?' "'Well, I—I I didn't think you were that kind of a man,' answered Small Porges, sighing and shaking his head regretfully. "'I'm afraid I am, nephew. "'Do you really mean that you want to marry my Auntie Anthea?' "'I do.' "'As much as Mr. Cassilis does?' "'A great deal more, I think.' Small Porges sighed again, and shook his head very gravely indeed. "'Uncle Porges,' said he, "'I'm surprised at you. "'I rather feared you would be, nephew. "'It's also awful silly, you know. "'Why do you want to marry her? "'Because, like a prince in a fairy-tale, "'I'm, er rather anxious to live happily ever after.' "'Oh!' said small Porges, turning this over in his mind. "'I never thought of that.' "'Marriage is a very important institution, you see, my Porges, especially in this case, because I can't possibly live happily ever after, unless I marry, first. Now can I?' "'No, I suppose not,' small Porges admitted, albeit reluctantly, after he had pondered the matter a while with wrinkled brow. "'But why pick out my Auntie Anthea?' "'Just because she happens to be your Auntie Anthea, of course.' "'Small Porges sighed again. Oh, "'Why, then, if she's got to be married some day "'so she can live happily ever after, "'well, I suppose you'd better take her, Uncle Porges.' "'Thank you, old chap. I mean to.' "'I'd rather you took her than Mr. Cassilis. and—' "'Why, there he is.' "'Who?' "'Mr. Cassilis? and he's stopped, and he's twisting his moustache. Mr. Cassilis, who had been crossing the paddock, had indeed stopped, and was twisting his black moustache, as if he were hesitating between two courses. Finally he pushed open the gate, and, approaching Bellew, saluted him with that supercilious air which Miss Priscilla always declared she found so trying. "'Ah, Mr. Bellew! What might it be this morning? The pitchfork, the scythe, or the plough?' he inquired. "'Neither, sir. This morning it is matrimony.' "'Eh? I beg your pardon? Matrimony?' "'With a very large M, sir,' nodded Bellew. "'Marriage, sir. Wedlock. My nephew and I are discussing it in its aspects philosophical, sociological, and—' "'That is surely rather a peculiar subject to discuss with a child, Mr. Bellew.' "'Meaning my nephew, sir?' "'I mean young George there.' "'Precisely, my nephew, Small Porges. "'I refer,' said Mr. Cassilis, with slow and crushing emphasis, "'to Miss Divine's nephew. "'And mine, Mr. Cassilis, mine by their mutual adoption and inclination.' "'And I repeat that your choice of subjects is peculiar, to say the least of it.' "'But then, mine is rather a peculiar nephew, sir. "'But—' "'Surely it was not to discuss nephews, mine, or anyone else's, "'that you are hither come, and our ears do wait upon you. "'Pray, be seated, sir.' "'Thank you. I prefer to stand.' "'Strange,' murmured Bellew, shaking his head. "'I never stand if I can sit, or sit if I can lie down.' "'I should like you to define exactly your position here at Dapplemere, Mr. Bellew. Bellew's sleepy glance missed nothing of the other's challenging attitude, and his ear nothing of Mr. Cassilis's authoritative tone. Therefore his smile was most engaging as he answered, "'My position here, sir, is truly the most uh, enviable in the world. Prudence is an admirable cook, particularly as regard Yorkshire pudding. Gentle little Miss Priscilla is the most uh, aunt-like and perfect of housekeepers.' and miss anthea is our sovereign lady before whose radiant beauty small porges and i alike true knights and gallant gentles do constant homage and in whose behalf small porges and i do stand prepared to wage stern battle by day or by night indeed said mr cassilis and his smile was even more supercilious than usual yes sir nodded bellew I do confess me a most fortunate and happy wight, who, having wandered hither and yon upon this planet of ours, which is so vast and so very small, has by the most happy chance found his way hither into Arcady. And may I inquire how long you intend to lead this Arcadian existence? I fear I cannot answer that question until the full of the moon, sir. At present I grieve to say I do not know." Mr. Cassilis struck his riding-boot a sudden smart rap with his whip, his eyes snapped, and his nostrils dilated as he glanced down into Bellew's imperturbable face. "'At least you know, and will perhaps explain, what prompted you to buy all that furniture. You were the only buyer at the sale, I understand.' "'Who bought anything?' (laughs) "'Yes,' nodded Bellew. "'And, pray, what was your object, you a stranger?' "'Well,' replied Bellew slowly, as he began to fill his pipe, "'I bought it because it was there to buy, you know. "'I bought it because furniture is apt to be rather useful now and then. "'I acquired the chairs to—er, sit in, the tables to—er, put things on, and—' "'Don't quibble with me, Mr. Bellew!' "'I beg your pardon, Mr. Cassilis." "'When I ask a question, sir, I am in the habit of receiving a direct reply. "'And when I am asked a question, Mr. Cassilis, "'I am in the habit of answering it precisely as I please, or not at all. "'Mr. Bellew, let me impress upon you, once and for all, "'that Miss Divine has friends, old and tried friends,' "'to whom she can always turn for aid "'in any financial difficulties she may have to encounter. "'Friends who can more than tide over all her difficulties "'without the interference of strangers. "'And as one of her oldest friends, "'I demand to know by what right you force your wholly unnecessary assistance upon her.' "'My very good sir,' returned Bellow, shaking his head in gentle reproof, "'really?' "'You seem to forget that you are not addressing one of your grooms or footmen. "'Consequently, you force me to remind you of the fact. "'Furthermore—' "'That is no answer,' said Mr. Cassilis, "'his gloved hands tight-clenched upon his hunting-crop, "'his whole attitude one of menace. "'Furthermore,' pursued Bellew placidly, "'settling the tobacco in his pipe with his thumb, "'you can continue to, er, demand, until all's blue.' I should continue to lie here, and smoke, and gaze up at the smiling serenity of heaven. The black brows of Mr. Cassilis met in a sudden frown. He tossed his whip aside, and took a sudden quick stride towards the recumbent bellew with so evident an intention that small Porges shrank instinctively further within the encircling arm. But at that psychic moment, very fortunately for all concerned, there came the sound of a quick light step, and anthea stood between them mr cassilis mr bellew she exclaimed her cheeks flushed and her bosom heaving with the haste she had made pray whatever does this mean bellew rose to his feet and seeing cassilis was silent shook his head and smiled upon my word i hardly know miss anthea our friend mr cassilis seems to have got himself all worked up over the er uh, sale i fancy "'The furniture!' exclaimed Anthea, and stamped her foot with vexation. "'That wretched furniture! "'Of course you explained your object in buying it, Mr. Bellew.' "'Well, no, we hadn't got as far as that.' Now, when he had said this, Anthea's eyes flashed sudden scorn at him, and she curled her lip at him, and turned her back upon him. "'Mr. Bellew bought my furniture because he intends to set up housekeeping.' "'He is to be married, soon, I believe.' "'When the moon is at the full,' nodded Bellew. "'Married!' exclaimed Mr. Cassilis, his frown vanishing as if by magic. "'Oh, indeed! I am on my way to the hop-gardens, if you care to walk with me, Mr. Cassilis, And with the words Anthea turned, and, as he watched them walk away together, Bellew noticed upon the face of Mr. Cassilis an expression very like triumph.' and in his general air a suggestion of proprietorship that jarred upon him most unpleasantly. "'Why do you frown so, Uncle Porges?' "'I mm, was thinking, nephew.' "'Well, I'm thinking, too,' nodded small Porges, his brows knitted portentously. And thus they sat, big and little Porges, frowning in unison at space for quite a while." Are you sure you never told my auntie anthea that you were going to marry her inquired small porges at last quite sure comrade why then how did she know you were going to marry her and settle down marry her and settle down yes at the full of the moon you know why really i don't know my porges unless she guessed it i spec she did she's awful clever at guessing things "'But do you know—' "'Well, I'm thinking I don't just like the way she smiled at Mr. Cassilis. "'I never saw her look at him like that before. "'As if she were awful glad to see him, you know. "'So I don't think I'd wait till the full of the moon if I were you. "'I think you'd better marry her this afternoon.' "'That,' said Bellew, clapping him on the shoulder, "'is a very admirable idea.' "'I'll mention a tour on the first available opportunity, my porges.' "'But the opportunity did not come that day, nor the next, nor the next after that. "'For it seemed that with the approach of the hop-picking, "'Anthea had no thought or time for anything else. "'Wherefore Bellew smoked many pipes, and, as the days wore on, "'possessed his soul in patience, which is a most excellent precept to follow.' In all things but love. End of chapter nineteen.